Good morning, friends. Good to see you guys today. Bright, shiny, little summer faces. <laughs> hey, let's stand up. My name's Billy. I'm one of your pastors here. Glad you guys are here for worship today to lift up the name of Jesus and all that he's done in your life. And if that's not why you're here, we hope that you leave doing that and being reminded that God is faithful and he'll keep doing things in your life that you'll never imagine. So glad you're here today. You're signing up for a good ride. Rudy's going to lead us in this first one because he lives. Let's start off singing, I believe in the sun. Here we go. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I've overcome by the
And so here we are, God, in this place, um, singing of what your Son has done for us, singing of what you have made in your creation. And in your creation, God, you said um, you wanted to have uh, your children, and you said it was good. And um, you wanted all of your children with you, so you made a way, um, even though we were misguided, uh, you brought us back on a path to give us an open door uh, to walk through, should we choose it, uh, through Christ. So. Um, thank you, Lord, um, so very much. So, so very much. I pray you hear from Hopevale Church today a voice that just says, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you keep doing. And Lord, help us to trust that you'll keep doing, you'll keep doing things in our lives to let us know that there's a plan and a purpose. Help us to see your faithfulness, Lord. Help us to look back. Help us to know that the story uh, of Christ really happened. Uh, if that's something we're wrestling with. Help us to be reminded if we've crossed that line of faith, God, that um, to be inspired again, refreshed, um, new, or just renewed in our faith, God, that um, there's a power uh, when we come to you. There's a power when we gather for worship. There's a power when uh, you come through your Holy Spirit. So would you continue to move and speak today, we pray? In Jesus' name, we as a church say together. Amen. Thanks, gang. Hey, before you have a seat, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Good morning, everybody. You can have a seat. My name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale. And uh, last week, we had the opportunity to uh, commission out, send off a team going to Guaymate, Dominican Republic. So a quick update on them. Just wanted to let you know that they arrived safely. Uh, they're in Guaymate, uh, worshiping uh, the same Lord there this morning, which is a really kind of a cool thought. So just thank you for your prayers for them uh, through this upcoming week. Thank you. And now I want to share with you uh, another team that we have going out this coming Saturday. This team here will be traveling to Chinoy, Zimbabwe, and they will be there until early August, partnering with our outreach partner, Life to Life Africa, there in Chinoy, working with the elderly, uh, widows, children, uh, orphans in that community there. And so uh, we're just really grateful to the Lord for uh, just the years of ministry partnership that we have had there and the people from our church that have just made themselves uh, willingly available to go and serve alongside of our brothers and sisters there in Chinoy. And so we just want to take a moment to pray for them this morning. And again, if you would, just uh, keep these teams in mind uh, in your prayers in the coming weeks that... Uh, God would just be glorified in all the work that they're doing and, uh, and just really reveal himself to them in some special ways as well. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and uh, we are just so grateful for who you are and the opportunity that you have given us to serve you. God, and we take that calling very seriously, whether uh, it's uh, throughout the, the days of our lives right here in our own backyard in Saginaw, uh, or through these ministry partnerships that you have entrusted to us around the world. So God, for this team standing on the stage, Lord, um, we just, we're glad to know that you have uh, every step of the way prepared for them in advance. God, you know exactly what uh, all the experiences that they're going to have and just what you have in store for them. And so God, we just trust you in that, no matter what that looks like, uh, that they would just walk with you faithfully every step of the way, every conversation that they have, every relationship that they develop, uh, every opportunity that they have to share about who you are with others uh, who are far away from you right now. God, we just, uh, we're grateful for that opportunity that they have. 
and for the team, Lord, we just pray that uh, your spirit of unity would just surround them as they go. And again, Lord, that every, uh, every interaction that they have, that your spirit would just shine through them and that more and more people would come to know uh, about you and who you are in a real and personal way. So God, watch over them as they go. And we look forward to uh, hearing reports of just how you worked in and through them when they return. And we all said together, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Can we just offer a round of support to you guys as you go? Great to see just God using you as a church uh, all over the world to bring the love of Jesus and share it in very practical ways. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopevale Church. So glad that you're here to worship with us. In a moment, we're going to continue that worship through uh, giving and sharing our offerings. But before we do, I have a favor to ask. Uh, We have many needs for volunteers this summer in children's ministry, and I'd love for you to help out with that. So we are coming off uh, Bible camp, just great momentum of ministering to to children of all ages, and we want to see that energy, that excitement, that enthusiasm continue as we go through the rest of the summer. We have a lot of needs, a lot of openings, both in Tot Town, which is our birth through pre-kindergarten ministry, as well as Kid City, which is our kindergarten through fifth grade ministry. And if you sign up to help, we've got leaders there who are going to show you exactly what to do. You know, even if you're able to give us just a few Sundays over the summer. It helps us maintain some really healthy and safe uh, adult-children ratios for our classrooms. It lightens the load for our volunteers who serve throughout the year, and most importantly, it just continues to carry on this rich legacy here of sharing and, and teaching our children about the love of Jesus Christ. So if you're able to help out, you can stop by our children's ministries desk just around the corner here in the building. You can contact the church office during the week, or you can go directly on our website as well under children's, and there's some information there about how you can volunteer more. Would love, would love, would love if you'd be able to help us out with that. Well, I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward. We're going to continue to worship as we take up uh, this morning's offering, and as we go to prayer for that, I just want to make mention of um, a dear member of our church. I would call her one of our matriarchs. Uh, Helen Wismer passed away this past week at the age of 93. Helen has been a longtime uh, member of Hopevale Church and is actually uh, the, the mom of Ron and Roz Wismer, who are a couple of our outreach partners as well. So we just want to pray for her family and thank God just for a great legacy of faithfulness to our God. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, we're here because you live, Jesus. Thank you that the story does not end on the cross as necessary as that sacrificial death is. Thank you that there is the victory, the victory of the empty tomb, the new life that we have, the hope that we have, even in the face of discouraging times, to know that our Savior lives. And because of that, we can face today, tomorrow, and the rest of our days. Father, we thank you for these ministry teams that you are sending out all over this globe and just pray that they may have a sense of your favor and presence upon their lives. But even for us who are here, God, whatever we put our hands and our hearts toward, may you just bless our efforts as we seek to honor you, Jesus, in the little things of life. Our hearts and prayers go out to 
uh, Helen Wismer's family and just thank you for her. And God, may you continue to build a legacy of what it is to just walk faithfully with you among our entire congregation this day. And now as we turn our hearts toward giving, Father, we just come with open hands, open hearts, realizing that all the what we have comes from you. And so we just want to respond with generosity and gratitude, loving you, Jesus, because you first loved us. We pray in your name. Amen. We're going to sing a song uh, during the offering collection, and uh, it's meant just to be a feature song for you to just take in and let this sing over you as you listen and worship today.
everybody. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, we're in this series, More Than a Song. We're taking songs like the one we just did, and we are um, kind of talking about the theological truth behind them and what we can learn and experience from them. And I think to set the tone this morning for where I want to go, I just want to dive right into a passage of Scripture that I think is going to be very important for us as we uh, we talk about this today. So Psalm 44, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab it, open it up to Psalm 44. Um, if you have a smartphone or, or a device, you can look it up on the Bible app, or if you have the Hopevale app, you can look it up on there as well. Just go to the sermon notes and click there and follow along. Psalm 44, it's a, it's a very interesting psalm, and I just want to begin by reading that. Uh, follow along with me as I read it out loud. It says this, it says, we have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. With your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they had won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, 
and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. And God, we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. And we think, wow, what an amazing worship song to sing. But look what happens in verse 9. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. You have made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame. At the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who's bent on revenge, all this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us, and you made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, Would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the crown. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that? I mean, have you ever been in a place or at a time in your life where your reality seems like, God, I've seen you, or at least I thought I had seen you move in my life, and, and I see what seems to be you moving big in other people's lives, but right now in this season in my own life, man, it is like you are gone. It's like you don't even exist, or, or worse, you're just uninterested in me. And what's happening in my life. And it is causing me to have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of wrestling. Have you you been there before? Have you ever been there in your life? Where this, this song, this psalm becomes more than just words on a page that someone wrote a long time ago. But it becomes an anthem of your hour by hour reality where where you get to this point where all you can do is just cry out in desperation to God. That last verse, rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. Or maybe your own version of that verse in your life goes something like this. God, I need you to do something. I need you just to do anything. Show me that you're real. Show me that you're present. Show me that you're here. God, I need some kind of a miracle in my life right now because I am just spiraling. I gotta tell you, I've been there, okay? I've been there. My, my family has been there. And if I'm completely honest, uh, this is actually more of a, a constant journey than just a little blip on the radar. You know, it's more like a, a traveling companion to my journey of faith in Jesus than a stop along the way. And I, I, know, I know you're not supposed to say that as a pastor, right? You're, you're supposed to be this beacon of confidence and certainty and surety when you get up here on a stage and preach things like, thus says the Lord. Uh, but maybe you're not. I, I don't know. All I know is this, is that I have been through Psalm 44 times in my own life and in the life of my family. And there are a a few specific times that I I look back and, man, I felt this. 
2006 was one of those years, like a whole year where it felt like this. Uh, 2006 started out really great for our family. We found out that we were pregnant with our first son, Nicholas, and we were like, this is going to be the most amazing year ever. And on the exact same day we found out we were pregnant with my son, Nick, Sarah found out that her grandma passed away. So it was a very weird feeling that whole day. And then from that point until the end of 2006, there were just some personal and professional, what felt like just bombs going off in our life and in the life of our family. Um, in that year, four of our family members, close family members, would pass away. Uh, her grandma, and then a few weeks later, her grandpa passed away. My grandpa passed away in the summer of that year, and then my aunt, who was 45 years old, passed away in December. And it just was like over and over and over again. We were like, what is happening? Professionally, uh, for me, most of uh, the pastoral staff that I worked uh, with at the church I was at resigned or were forced to resign within a six-month period. And the church was fighting and splitting, and I was a 26-year-old pastor and a brand-new dad caught in the middle. I was asked to lead the church. I was asked to play mediator for a board that was ready to divide that church. I, mean, I remember going to church fights, I mean board meetings, and uh, <laughs> right after Nick was born, that lasted like four and five hours way into the late hours of the night. And all I wanted to do was just be home with my new son and my wife. And I was stuck in this. And it was painful and it hurt. And I had big plans for my life as a pastor and big plans for my 2006. And this is the reality. And there were just so many hits, one after another, both personally and professionally. And it was, if I'm completely honest, it was very difficult to take. There were many moments where I had to convince myself that God was in all of this because, man, it sure felt like he wasn't. And it all came to a head for me in December of that year when I got a phone call from my mom that, like I said, my 45-year-old aunt had passed away from lung cancer. She never smoked a day in her life nor did anything else that would ever resulted in this weird cancer. And the doctors that were working with her even were, like, baffled by all of it. But it ended up taking her life, and it threw her family into this huge turmoil, and I think rightly so, because no one ever expects to have to go through that kind of stuff. And I just remember sitting in uh, Cleveland Hopkins Airport all by myself. My wife and my son Nick were with her family, and I was waiting on an airplane to take me back to California for her funeral and memorial service, and I pulled out my journal, and I started to write um, just sitting there. And I brought that journal here this morning. I want to read to you part of, of what I wrote. And this is what I said. It was December 19th, 2006. So, well, here I am sitting in the airport waiting for my flight to San Jose via Phoenix. The soothing sounds of John Mayer playing on my iPod. I'm a John Mayer fan. I play guitar. I like it. Um, I still can't believe that all of this happened in one year. 2006 is going to be a hard year to look back and smile, except for the fact that Nick was born. I guess that line from that Matt Redmond song, you give and take away, applies to this year. I guess God has chosen to give and to take away. I never thought he would choose it this way, though. I don't pretend to understand why God has chosen to lead us down this path. And I wrote some other things. I'll share those with you later. But, man, in that airport, Psalm 44 was my anthem. Psalm 44 was my anthem. Verses like, all this came upon us that we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back, our feet had not strayed from your path, but you crushed us. Verses like, uh, awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? 
and forget our misery or our oppression. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Psalm 44 was my anthem as I wrote in that airport. And maybe you're here this morning and Psalm 44 is your anthem too. For maybe what is currently going on in your life or maybe what has been going on in your life. It's defining your reality. Maybe you hear my 2006 story and you're saying to yourself, Sam, that's nothing. You should hear my story. You have the same questions, the same doubts, the same concerns that this psalm writer, this songwriter has. See, here are the questions that this songwriter puts on the table for us to wrestle with this morning. There are two of them. Question number one, is God faithful? And question number two, can I trust him? You see, there's something deeply disturbing and yet curiously comforting about this psalm. On the one hand, it's disturbing because the songwriter is boldly making accusations against God that leave us feeling like, are you allowed to talk to God like that? <laughs> I mean, watch out for the lightning bolts, buddy. I wouldn't talk to him like that. Yet, on the other hand, it's comforting to know that God wanted us to read this, that we have the Bible that God wanted us to have, and that he wants us to read that. And that the Israelites found these kind of laments to God as very valuable to their faith in him. That wrestling out loud with the faithfulness of God and trustworthiness of God was somehow therapeutic for their faith in God. And I believe it actually sets a good pattern for us in our own faith journey when we face these types of circumstances in our own lives. To, to be able to read these things and, and live there for a little bit. But here's the warning. Here's the warning. We can't just stay here. We can't just stay here. We can't just live in Psalm 44 for the rest of our existence. We have to try to move on from Psalm 44. And this doesn't mean that we can never experience doubt or experience questions about these kind of things, but it does mean trying to get to a place of trusting in the middle of them. We have to try to move on or else we're going to end up living a very bitter and very cynical existence. And I don't think anybody wants to live that way. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is going to try to teach us to do in Romans chapter 8. And so that's where we're going to, going to be for a little while. Paul's going to try and help us understand in Romans chapter 8 a very beautiful theology of suffering in life and living in hope and trust in the middle of it. And so if you have your Bible, turn it over to Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to be pretty much for the rest of this morning. Paul begins out Romans 8 by trying to help us understand that as followers of Jesus, we need to live our lives uh, following the Holy Spirit's lead, that those who are truly followers of Jesus are, are indwelled, this big theological word meaning that he lives inside of us, that we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, and that it is the Holy Spirit we're to be in step with. And sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us down some paths that are just downright uncomfortable. Okay, so he gets to verse 14. That's where we're going to start in Romans chapter 8. And this is what he says. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, meaning daddy or father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. We have the inheritance of God. We're heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, what? If indeed we get everything we want in this life, 
If indeed this life feels super comfortable to us, if indeed everything goes well and we feel hashtag blessed, I mean, what does he say? No, he says we are co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings. What? If we share in his sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory. And then look what he says in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he goes on to say later on in the chapter, the glory that will be revealed in us. All creation has been waiting for this. Every single person just has something inside of them that wants to see this happen, and it's the restoring, the renewing of all things. It's God making all things right in the end. That's the glory that will be revealed in us. And he says, Here's what happens. We are heirs with Christ. We're his children if indeed we share in his sufferings and also get to share in his glory. That the sufferings that we go through now are not really anything to be compared with the glory that we will experience. The glory that will be revealed in us. And just in case we're tempted here to say or to think something like, well, Paul, yeah, that sounds great, but you just don't understand what I'm going through. You have no idea what it's like to feel like this. Let me just give you a little background on Paul's life at the time of writing this. Scholars believe that Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church from, from the city of Corinth during his third missionary journey around AD 56. And so if that is accurate, that means that Paul has gone through quite a lot in his life following Jesus and being led by the Spirit. In fact, specifically, he, he's written two separate times to the Corinthian church, and in the second letter, he writes two different times about the things that the Spirit has led him to. Things like being in prison, being beaten, flogged, robbed, foodless, homeless. I mean, you, you name it, he's written about it. And so with that backdrop, with those things in mind, as Paul writes these words, he's not writing these words aimlessly. He is not trivializing the pain and the suffering that we go through. In fact, Paul knows and understands the plight of Psalm 44. I mean, in fact, later on in this chapter, he actually quotes from Psalm 44. Paul knows what it's like to live Psalm 44, and to question the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God, yet he also knows you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You have to try to move to a different place. You have to try to move to a place of hope and a place of trust. And it's almost like he knows how to finish that psalm. That even in the midst of suffering, as you follow Christ and allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, even if that means the Holy Spirit leads you to a place that's painful, even if it, it leads you to a place where it hurts, he wants us to know God is at work in that. Look what he writes in verse 28. He writes, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. Now I think we, when we live in Psalm 44, but we can't quite make it there to Romans chapter 8, we can begin to mistake God's inaction for his absence, or maybe even his in invisibility for inaction. Because we're vision-oriented and experience-oriented beings, it, you know, if we can't see it, feel it, test it, experience it, then most of the time we come to the conclusion that it's not there or it doesn't exist 
But my inability to see or experience God's faithfulness at the moment does not implicate God of being unfaithful. It doesn't. It just highlights my inability to fully grasp the mystery of what God is up to or what he is doing in the moment. And this verse, Romans 8.28, is Paul trying to communicate that to us. That even when it seems like God's not working, he is still working. But this verse, (laughs) it's one of the most dangerously misused verses there is. Because it's often used to say things like, well, see, God's going to bring something good. Or you're going to get something great. And by that, they mean that the feelings are going to be different and that you're going to get your end of the book of Job. Everything gets better. Uh, you're, uh, you know, tie a bow on the end of the story, happily ever after moment. You're going to get that. But guess what? That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what he's saying. Do you know what the good is that Paul is talking about? He actually tells us in verse 29. He says the good is being conformed to the image of Jesus. Being conformed to the image of Jesus. Being molded to become more like him. And do you realize that in the context that he is writing here, what that image is that we're being formed into, part of that is the cross. It's suffering. Paul is saying that there is good in suffering because we're becoming like Jesus, the one we follow. Becoming like Jesus is the good that God is working all things in our lives toward. And so we follow the Holy Spirit's lead because he knows best how to lead us to become like Jesus, no matter what that means. And because Paul knows this, because he understands this, it actually leads him to some what we might think are pretty crazy conclusions. Like he writes this one time to the the church in, in, in Philippi. He writes Philippians 3, 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ. And we go, yes, me too. Oh, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And we say, yes, me too. And then he says, and participation in his sufferings. And we say, what? (laughs) Hold on. I get the uh, knowing Jesus thing, and I get the, the power of his resurrection thing, but participation in his sufferings? And Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going on. He says, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. God wants us to participate in Jesus' suffering so that we can be like him. And so that we can somehow share in his glory. Paul's saying that, that the, the hardships, the sufferings, the things that we go through in life that a lot of times we can't really explain. God is at work in those to make us be more like his son, Jesus That when we share in his sufferings, we also share in his glory, the glory that will be revealed in us. And so because of that, it causes Paul to write this verse, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you in every aspect of your life, no matter what it is you go through, who can be against us? So what's Paul's conclusion? His conclusion is no matter what happens in your life, God is active. Even when it feels like inaction, even if it feels frustrating, even if it feels like absence, God is active and he is at work, working it all to make you more like his son, Jesus. And you may be thinking, Sam, hold on, wait. (laughs) Even when I feel like God is gone or has forgotten about me, 
or he feels absent to me, even then I'm still being formed to be like Jesus in those moments? And I would say to you, yes, absolutely, because even Jesus said on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus understands what it is like for God to feel absent. We live like Jesus when we share in his sufferings. And part of the sufferings of Jesus was feeling the absence of God and trusting anyway. And Paul shows us that the answer to when we're in Psalm 44, the answer is Jesus. The psalmist says, I know you've been faithful to my ancestors. I believe in you, but right now you feel gone. And so I need you to rescue us. And hundreds of years go by, and God is at work all of those years working out that rescue, but it's, it's not in the way that they would expect because our expectations don't determine God's actions. It's not in the way they would expect. They expected a national rescue, but his rescue would not be national. His rescue would be eternal, and his rescue would be inclusive of more than just them. His rescue would be through his son Jesus and through his suffering. And so Paul's conclusion is this, that it's that God is not only faithful to you, but God is faithfully for you. God is not only faithful to you, he is faithfully for you. And he builds his case by saying this, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against them whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And as it is written, where? As it is written in Psalm 44, because Paul knows what it's like, He says this, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Can any of this separate us from God? His conclusion, no. Because in all of those things, even in the pain, even in the suffering, because God is at work for good in your life, in those moments, to make you more like Jesus, in all of those things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Because it's through him who loved us. For I am convinced He says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is convinced, and he wants us to be convinced as well that God is faithfully for you. So when you're going through awesome seasons in life, when everything feels great and God feels close, God's for you. When you're going through pain, difficulty, suffering, God is still for you. When you even go through periods of doubt and questioning, God is still for you. So my question is, where are you at this morning? Where are you at this morning? Are you living in Psalm 44? Is that your reality? 
And if so, my prayer is that God would highlight to you, that he would speak to you, that he would whisper to you, that even in the middle of where you are, he is for you. And that you would find something for your faith to hang on to. And maybe the thing that you can hang on to is the same thing that the psalm writer hangs on to, the unfailing love of God. And Paul encourages us to hang on to. It's the love of Jesus, that unfailing love of Jesus. Or maybe you're, you're not there, but maybe you're, you're making your way through Romans 8. You've come out of that, but you're trying to make your way through that. And my prayer for you, if that's you, is that you would be convinced that God is for you. And no matter where you find yourself this morning, God wants you to trust him, to trust him. For some of you, that may seem really easy. You're like, I've seen God move, man, and I know he's going to do that again. For others of you, that may be a very difficult and even feel, it may be, feel very downright impossible for you to get there. And it may take a really long time for you to get there. But hang on. Hang on, he loves you and he wants to demonstrate his unfailing love for you over and over and over again so you will trust him. I told you I'd read you the end of my, uh, my journal. I was writing in that airport all of this stuff that had gone on and I said, you know, I never thought he would choose it this way though. And I don't pretend to understand why God has chosen to lead us down this path, but I need to trust that he has my best interest in mind. And it was really hard to write those words. It was really hard to write those words. But as I wrote them, there was just something about it that said, you know what, this is, this is life. This is life. It's feeling like there's something very difficult, yet I trust. There's something hard, and I don't see the end of it, but yet I trust. The song that we, we chose to go after this morning is a song called Do It Again. I just want to read verse 2 of this song um, over us this morning, kind of as a prayer, and then I'll, we'll pray together. This is what it says. It says, I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass, and my heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. And then it goes on with the anthem of um, great is your faithfulness because you've never failed me yet. Because even in the midst of when it feels like failing, God's faithfully for you. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we just thank you for allowing us sometimes to just sit in the middle of questions, in the middle of doubt, in the middle of, God, where are you? What are you up to? And God, you say, I want you to trust me. I'm for you in the middle of those things. And God, there may be some people here who, they're just in the middle of it right now. And God, we just pray that, that they would see you move in their life. And God, uh, we thank you for the truth of Romans 8. That God, that you're at work to make us more like your son, Jesus, whatever that looks like. And we're convinced that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. That no matter what we go through in life, that you're working it together to bring about us becoming like your son, Jesus. 
So I pray that that would comfort us, that that would convince us that you're for us and that one day we'll get to share in that glory of you restoring and renewing all things. And maybe, maybe this morning could just be a moment where you can renew that in somebody's life even today, where you can restore that in somebody's life today, that hope that even in the midst of, of hurt and difficulty, that you're working and you're for them and that would hang on to that and know that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand.
you may be here this morning and, and maybe that last song, maybe even the, the song of Great is Thy Faithfulness, maybe that's hard for you to sing here today. Maybe everything within you wants to sing it, but you just aren't there and you're not in a place where you can feel like you can do that. And that's okay. But here's what I want us to do. For those of us who feel like we are in a place where we can sing that, I want us to pray the those words over you. I want us to actually sing the, the bridge of the song, Do It Again, over you, where it says, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll, I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, because some of us in here, we feel like there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. And I want us to pray that over you, if that's where you're at today. I want us to sing these words over you and pray in faith. God, We've seen you move. Do it again in their life. You've made ways where there was no way, and I pray that you would do that again in their life. And so if we could, can we just sing that prayerfully over you, if that's you here today, that God would make a way where it seems to be impossible because that's what he's in the business of doing. He's in the business of, of doing the impossible God loves you. He's for you. We want to pray that over you today. So Billy, why don't you lead us? I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe. I see you do it again. You've made a way. 
that by faith that we'll see God do things again move mountains make ways where there seemed to be no way maybe for some of you that was a prayer over a family member that isn't even here or a friend that isn't even here and I would say just believe that our God is in the business of making ways where there seemed to be no way and we believe he will do that again thanks for being here go believing that God is faithfully for you and he will make a way and he'll do it again. Thanks for being here.